Chapter thirty three of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Rolly. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter thirty three. Strength wanting judgment and policy to rule overturneth itself it was quite impossible of course that a first visit to lady monkton should be a last from barbara lady monkton had called on her the very day after her arrival in town but barbara had been out then on the occasion of the latter's return visit the old woman had explained that going out was a trial to her and barbara in spite of her unconquerable dislike to her had felt it to be her duty to go and see her now and then the children too had been a great resource sir george especially had taken to tommy who was quite unabashed by the grandeur of the stately if faded old rooms in the belgravian mansion but was full of curiosity and spent his visits to his grandfather cross-examining him about diverse matters questionable and otherwise that tickled the old man and kept him laughing it had struck barbara that sir george had left off laughing for some time he looked haggard uneasy miserable expectant she liked him better than she liked lady monkton and though reserved with both relaxed more to him than to her mother-in-law for one thing sir george had been unmistakably appreciative of her beauty and her soft voice and pretty manners he liked them all lady monkton had probably noticed them quite as keenly but they had not pleased her they were indeed an offence they had placed her in the wrong as for old miss lestrange the aunt she regarded a young wife from the first was a dislike she took no pains to conceal this afternoon one of many that barbara has given up to duty finds her as usual in lady monkton's drawing-room listening to her mother-in-law's comments on this and that and trying to keep up her temper for frederick's sake when the old lady finds fault with her management of the children the latter that is tommy and mabel have been sent to the pantomime by sir george and barbara with her husband have dropped in towards the close of the day to see lady monkton with a view to recovering the children there and taking them home with them sir george having expressed a wish to see the little ones after the play and hear tommy's criticisms on it which he promised himself would be lively he had already a great belief in the powers of tommy's descriptions in the meantime the children have not returned and conversation it must be confessed languishes miss lestrange who is present in a cap of enormous dimensions and a temper calculated to make life hideous to her neighbours scarcely helps to render more bearable the dullness of everything sir george in a corner is buttonholing frederick and saddening him with last accounts of the scapegrace barbara has come to her final pretty speech silence seems imminent when suddenly lady monkton flings into a bombshell that explodes and carries away with it all fear of commonplace dullness at all events you have a sister i believe says she to barbara in a tone she fondly but erroneously imagines gracious yes says barbara softly but curtly 
the fact that joyce's existence has never hitherto been alluded to by lady monkton renders her manner even colder than usual which is saying everything she lives with you yes says barbara again lady monkton as if a little put out by the determinate taciturnity of her manner moves forward on her seat and pulls the lace lappets of her dove grey cap more over the front impatiently long soft lappets they are falling from a gem of a little cap made of priceless lace and with a beautiful old face beneath to frame a face like an old miniature and as stern as most of them but charming for all that and perfect in every line makes herself useful no doubt growls miss lestrange from the opposite lounge her evil old countenance glowing with a desire to offend that's why one harbours one's poor relations to get something out of them this is a double-barrel explosion one barrel for the detested wife of the good frederick one for the sister she has befriended to that sister's cost true says lady monkton with an uncivil little upward glance at barbara for once because it suits her she has accepted her sister's argument and determined to take no heed of her scarcely veiled insult she helps you no doubt is useful with the children i hope moneyless girls should remember that they are born into the world to work not to idle i am afraid she is not as much help to me as you evidently think necessary says barbara smiling but not pleasantly she is very seldom at home in the summer at all events it is abominable to her to think that these hateful old people should regard joyce her pretty joyce as a mere servant assistedly made of all work and if not with you where then asked lady monkton indifferently and as if more with a desire to keep up the dying conversation that from any acute thirst of knowledge she stays a good deal with lady baltimore says barbara feeling weary and rather disgusted ah indeed sort of companion a governess i suppose a long pause mrs monkton's dark eyes grow dangerously bright and a quick colour springs into her cheeks no begins she in a low but dignified tone and then suppresses herself she can't she mustn't quarrel with freddy's people my sister is neither companion nor governess to lady baltimore says she icily she is only her friend friend repeats the old lady as if not quite understanding a great friend repeats barbara calmly lady monkton's astonishment is even more insulting than her first question but barbara has made up her mind to bear all things they are friends and friends puts in miss lestrange with her most offensive air a very embarrassing silence falls on this barbara would say nothing more an inborn sense of dignity forbidding her but this does not prevent a very natural desire on her part to look at her husband not so much to claim his support as to know if he has heard one glance assures her that he has a pause in the conversation with his father has enabled him to hear everything barbara has just time to know that his brow is black and his lips ominously compressed before she sees him advance toward his mother you seem to be very singularly ignorant of my wife's status in society his beginning is a rather terrible tone when barbara with a little graceful gesture checks him 
she puts out her hand and smiles up at him a wonderful smile under the circumstances ah that is just it she says sweetly but with determination she is ignorant where we are concerned joyce and i if she had only spared time to ask a little question or two but as it is the whole speech is purposely vague but full of contemptuous rebuke delicately veiled it is nothing i assure you freddy your mother is not to be blamed she has not understood that is all i fail even now to understand says the old lady with a somewhat tremulous attempt at self-assertion so do i says the antique upon the lounge near her bristling with a wrath so warm that it has unsettled the noble structure on her head and placed it in quite an artful situation right over her left ear i see nothing to create wrath in the mind of any one in the idea of a young uh, she comes to a dead pause she had plainly been going to say young person but frederick's glare had been too much for her it has frightened her into good behaviour and she changes the obnoxious word into one more complaisant a young what demands he imperiously freezing his aunt with a stony stare young girl returns she turning down a little but still betraying malevolence of a very advanced order in her voice and expression i see nothing derogatory in the idea of a young girl devoid of fortune taking a again she would have said something insulting the word situation is on her lips but the venom in her is suppressed a second time by her nephew go on says he sternly taking a um, position in a nice family says she almost spitting out the words like a bad old cat she has a position in a very nice family says monkton readily in mine as companion friend playfellow in fact anything you like of the light order of servitude we all serve my dear aunt though that idea doesn't seem to have come home to you we must all be in bondage to each other in this world the only real freedom is to be gained in the world to come you have never thought of that well think of it now to be kind to be sympathetic to be even commonly civil to people is to fulfil the law's demands you go too far she's old freddy barbara has scarcely time to whisper when the door is thrown open and dicky brown followed by felix dysart enters the room it is a relief to everybody lady monkton rises to receive them with a smile miss lestrange looks into the teapot plainly she can still see some tea-leaves there rising she inclines the little silver kettle over them and creates a second deluge she has again made tea may she be forgiven going to give us some tea miss lestrange says dicky bearing down upon her with a beaming face she has given him some before this one can always depend upon you for good cup ah thanks dysart i can recommend this have a cup do no thank you says dysart who has secured a seat next to barbara and is regarding her anxiously while replying to her questions of surprise at seeing him in town at this time of year she is surprised too and a little shocked to see him look so ill dicky is still holding a brilliant conversation with miss lestrange who to him is a joy for ever didn't expect to see me here again so soon eh says he with a cheerful smile there you are wrong returns that spinster in the hoarse croak that distinguishes her 
the fact that you were here yesterday and couldn't reasonable be supposed to come again for a week made it at once a certainty that you would turn up immediately the unexpected is what always happens where you are concerned one of many my charms says mr brown gaily hiding his untasted cup by a skilful movement behind the sugar-bowl verity you know is ever charming i'm a various person therefore i'm charming are you says miss lestrange grimly can you look at me and doubt it demands mr brown deep reproach in his eyes i can returns miss lestrange presenting an uncompromising front i can also suggest to you that those lumps of sugar are meant to put in the cups with the tea not to be consumed wholesale sugar plain is ruinous to the stomach and disastrous to the teeth true true says mr brown absently and both mine are so pretty miss lestrange rises to her feet and confronts him with a stony glare both what demands she eh uh, why both of them persists mr brown i think richard that the sooner you return to your hotel or whatever low haunt you have chosen as your present abode the better it will be for all present why so demands mr brown indignantly what have i done now you know very well sir says miss lestrange your language is disgraceful you take an opportunity of turning an innocent remark of mine a kindly warning into a ribald good heavens says he uplifting brows and hands i never yet knew it was ribaldry to talk about one's teeth you were not talking about your teeth says miss lestrange sternly you said distinctly both of them just so says dicky i've only got to is that the truth richard with increasing majesty honest in june says mr brown unabashed and they are out of sight all you can see have been purchased and i shew you dear miss lestrange with anxious earnestness paid for one guinea the entire set a single tooth two and six who'd be without them well i'm sorry to hear it says miss lestrange reseating herself and regarding him still with manifest distrust to lose one's teeth so early in life speaks badly for one's moral conduct anyhow i shan't allow you to destroy your guinea worth i shall remove temptation from your path lifting the sugar-bowl she removes it to her right side thus laying bare the fact that mr brown's cup of tea is still full to the brim it is the last stroke drink your tea says she to the stricken dicky in a tone that admits of no delay he drinks it meantime barbara has been very kind to felix dysart answering his roundabout questions that always have joys as their central meaning one leading remark of his is to the effect that he is covered with astonishment to find her and monkton in london is he surprised well no doubt yes joyce is in town too but she has not come out with her to-day have they been to the theatre very often joyce especially is quite devoted to it do they go much to the picture galleries well to one or two there is so much to be done and the children are rather exigent and demand all the afternoon but she had heard joyce say that she was going to-morrow to doré's gallery she thought tommy ought to be shown something more improving than clowns and wild animals and toy shops mr dysart at this point said he thought miss kavanagh was more reflective than one taking a careless view of her might believe barbara laughed do you take the reflective view says she do you recommend me to take the careless one 
demands he now looking fully at her there's a good deal of meaning in his question but barbara declines to recognize it she feels she has gone far enough in that little betrayal about doré's gallery she refuses to take another step she is already indeed a little frightened by what she has done if joyce should hear of it oh and yet how could she refrain from giving that small push to so deserving a cause no no i recommend nothing says she still laughing where are you staying with my cousins the seaton dysets they had to come up to town about a tooth or a headache or neuralgia or something we shall never quite know what as it has disappeared whatever it is give me london smoke as a perfect cure for most elements it is astonishing what remarkable recoveries it can boost vera and her husband are like a couple of children even the pantomime isn't too much for them that reminds me the children ought to be here by this time says mrs monkton drawing out her watch they went to the afternoon performance i really think anxiously they are very late she has hardly spoken when a sound of little running feet up the stairs outside sets her maternal fears at rest nearer and nearer the sound they stop there is a distant scuffle the door is thrown violently open and tommy and mabel literally fall into the room End of chapter thirty three recording by monica raleigh